0: We are not doing our network this week because we were lucky enough to have the dope folks over uh, at Hitbox share their panel. Victoria Tran, uh, massive shout out and love to you for sharing your panel's career in games and supporting your parents with us this week. It uh, talks about the uh, trials and tribulations of what it takes to be a person in games when you are growing up in a household that doesn't necessarily want you to become a game developer. Uh, you've heard conversations around this often, uh, throughout some of our own circles. Um, and this wonderful panel kind of digs into that, uh, in a real way, talking with folks like Ika, who's the creative director over at outer loop games, Joe Torado, uh, who's the communications and marketing, uh, over at system era softworks, and also Chris Compiendo, uh, who's over doing PR over at Uppercut. Uh, Take a listen to this wonderful audio. Uh, It's fantastic to be able to get this stuff from PAX East um, and have uh, Victoria share this with us and our audience here. So massive! again, love and shout to you. And Again, tell me what you think about it. Enjoy the audio and enjoy the show. Thanks so much. Peace.
1: Yeah, I guess to answer your question, uh, do they know what I do? I don't even think they know I'm here right now. So um, they, as far as they know, I, I play video games and I write about them, but that's as far as they know. In terms of the actual, the, um, you know, the larger games industry and how that works, uh, they have no clue and I always have to kind of explain it in the context of other industries. Like the, the idea that there are people paid to review video games was just totally alien to them. And I just said, you know, people write movie reviews, right? Kind of like that, but for video games. Um, but other than that, you know, um, story time after cons takes a long, long time just to explain like what actually goes on there. Um, because when you say, "Oh, you're in video games," it's like, "Oh, do you like play video games for a living?" Like, like an esports person, and you know, not exactly. It's a lot more uh,
2: comprehensive than that. <laughs> Um, my uh, my mom knows what I do for sure, but I kind of went through this really crazy route to actually get to where I'm at right now working on a game. Um, I'm, I'm kind of even surprised that my career path is taking me to the place where I actually work on video games. I did do games journalism before that, and I think uh, that was where it was kind of like, whoa, why, why are you doing this? Why did you switch jobs to be a games journalist? Like That doesn't sound very good. Um, I see some games journalists here, sorry, I'm not insulting you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, my mom knows what I do, but I think uh, it was hard to sell her on the vision of getting to where I wanted to be via these other methods, which took quite a while, so.
3: Yeah, my parents, so the context they know of games is my brother screaming at the screen while he was playing Street Fighter. So all they imagine me doing is screaming at a screen, like, at Street Fighter. I'm like, no, there's other games. They're like, "Mm mm-mm. I know. It's shooty games. Or it's the fighting games, and that's about like their knowledge of it.
1: As in, there are other games to scream at. Yeah, you okay. know,
3: as long as you're fighting and screaming at it, <laughs> right. then you're playing games right, according to them.
4: I mean, she's not wrong.
3: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of the context of that. So they have, they also have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but this kind of leads me into my next question, which was, did you tell them like beforehand, like what you wanted to do as a career? Because not everyone, I guess. Thinks they're going to go into games. Like originally, I was going to go into healthcare. So when they found out I was in games instead, and they're still in denial about it, they're like, "Oh, she's she's going through a phase, and soon, soon she'll go back to healthcare." I'm like, "I'm not. I don't want to do it anymore." Um, yeah, is there any? W- did you do something beforehand, and were they like super disappointed when you they found out you were doing whatever else right. games is? Uh,
4: so they had all their hopes on my older brother, um, and nice. then he decided not to be a lawyer. Oof. So then, like the eyes on, <laughs> was on me. Um, I, I've been in art all my life, that's all I would love to do, and uh, they were hoping I'd go into engineering of some kind. Lawyer, engineer, doctor, right? Yeah. What are, are, the, are the options? You can do dentist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I got into art school, and they they're all just like, okay, is this a thing you can do? How do, how do you make money, and any of that stuff? So uh, they think, I, I mean, they understand the art aspect of it. Oh, you can draw stuff. You know, you paint stuff, whatever, but uh, I don't think they quite understand how that translates into um, a living. I mean, they're just happy that, you know, I, 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 can, I eat and I can, I can, you know, pay rent or have a house or whatever. And so they're like, oh, good, well, we get it. You're, there's some success there. Mm-hmm. There's money there. So you're doing okay. So. so not only do I have Asian parents, but I have doctor parents.
3: <gasps> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. So I, I guess growing up as a kid, I felt like I had that expectation despite like inheriting that. Uh, if you look at, for some reason, they made a little documentary for fifth grade graduation and they asked like, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And I guess I said doctor or something like that, even though I'm very squeamish. But um, at some point, I don't know if it was high school or college, I figured out that writing was kind of more my thing, whether it was prose writing or screenwriting, whatever have you. I used to write a lot of short stories as a kid and I kind of went on that track in college. I had a creative writing degree, but my parents were kind of like, okay, yeah, we support you, but maybe you want to do like an additional major just as like kind of a safety net. So I did information systems and I'm not sure how many people know what information systems is, I went through like four years of that and I still don't really know what it is Um, but after I graduated I think I just kind of accidentally fell into games journalism and um, my parents having seen, they saw some, uh, let's say they have some colleagues, some doctor colleagues who saw um, their own children kind of pressured into that field of work and it did not end well for them. Uh, A lot of burnouts. Uh, A lot of breakdowns and people, and like those kids just kind of ended up pursuing their passion. So I think my parents just very silently relented, Uh, so even though they have no clue what I do, they're like, yeah, no, keep on doing you as long as you have a home and, (laughs) you know, are eating and whatnot, so.
2: Yeah, I think the bar is usually just like, can you eat food Mm. every day?
3: It's always the food part. It's the food part.
2: Are Are you eating? How many people get that question? Probably a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Can, Are you actually eating real food? Um, so for me, uh, I, I think I like doubly disappointed um, my family because, uh, you know, Im- immigrant family who like moved here and they worked super hard to like give me an opportunity to make something of myself, which I think I did. But at the time, um, I was also in the same boat of like trying to be creative. I was like, oh man, I, I like want to make cool stuff. Um, and, but it didn't, I always felt like I had to measure, like, reach this bar of making good on their sacrifice and feeling like I was making good on that, which, um, pushed me into areas where maybe I was like, not really excited about stuff. So I settled on trying to be an engineer because I wanted to work on airplanes, but I actually really just wanted to fly airplanes. I was really jazzed about that. Um, and so when I was graduating uh, high school, I told my mom that I wanted to go into the Air Force and that like killed her. She did not want that to happen at all. So like, that was super disappointing because she just didn't want me to like, be in you know, harm's way in any way possible. Um, and so then my, my uh, compromise to that was like, well, then I want to go to art school. And she like, kind of had to say yes to that. <laughs> it was either art school or potentially flying airplanes. Um, and so, I mean, my mom's not like, she's super into art. She's, but I think she went through the process of following that path. And it didn't really go anywhere for her, so I, she, I think she just didn't want me to necessarily do that same thing, and then end up being in a job that, um, like, maybe she feels like she did wanted to do something else, but she had no choice because she had kids, and so um, it was up to me then to like prove to her that I could make something of the art and sort of marketing things. So yeah. Yeah. that almost, that almost sounds like a threat, like an ultimatum,
1: <laughs> like take me to art school, or else I'm going to go into the air force. It's kind Look, of like Apparently that's honestly, the way to yeah. do it. Kids, if I didn't do that. You, just watch it. <laughs> Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, I think I think like the whole guilt but also wanting to make up to a sacrifice that they've made for you is very common that I've like seen mm-hmm. in people. Like I definitely feel the same way. Like if I'm ever tired, I'm like, oh, my parents did so much more. But yeah, Um, so what advice do you have for someone who wants to get into, maybe not even the games industry, but like a creative industry, let's say, um, but their family is kind of pressuring them not to, or very heavily is disapproving of them, and you know, it's very hard to ignore your parents and just do whatever you want to do. So do you have any advice for kind of getting over that, or maybe helping them understand?
2: Somebody Somebody else want to start? Sure. Um, for me, I I didn't do a great job at this when I was going through this process, but I saw the end goal of where I wanted to be, and uh, I I would just think as for advice, like make sure you plan that thing out and put that in front of your parents. Don't just like I went to art school and was like I'm a general art person. I, like, what does that even mean? I just, I tried painting, I tried graphic design, I tried photography. Um, I did want to be a creative director at the end of the day, and I wanted to go down that path but I didn't really communicate that really well. So I would say, if, you're, if you want to move into games, if you want to move into a creative field of any kind, um, you, you, sh- you should just like, look at it yourself and really plan that out. You shouldn't just like, jump into it. Um, and furthermore, you should then take that plan that you put in front of yourself and then share that with your family. I think it'll be really helpful for both parties.
1: Yeah, that's kind of, it's hard for me to give advice because I feel like I low-key lucked out and that I never really got a lot of pushback but you know, I still got that kind of indifference or uncertainty and I felt like I had to make, I don't know if this is a device I would give, so I'm kind of curious what you all think about this, but I felt like I had to make concessions in a way. So for example, that whole college degree thing, I, I was a creative writer, but they're like, oh, maybe you also get like a quote unquote practical um, skill in your belt to um, kind of act as a safety net if, that writing thing doesn't work out. Um, but, uh, you know, I always try to reassure them and just try to be open and um, transparent with them, I guess, is the base advice I would give at the very least.
4: Um, I have no good advice. I, <laughs> I dropped out of art school and started working at Bethesda at like 19, so it was, it was just dumb luck. I, I grew up in Maryland and Bethesda was down the street, and. I don't know. I was teaching myself stuff, and uh, so my parents were happy. I was like, had a job, um, more than like a Costco job that I had before. So. Uh, but the, they were disappointed. I didn't finish school. Um, mostly, I think. Well, yeah. I don't have good advice because I moved out after that. So,
5: <laughs> good job. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I think my like advice for it, and it's obviously different depending on parents and how open they are to it. But I've tried to approach it from the fact by I, I try to look at why they're so angry at me or like <laughs> whatever, and it's not that they're mad at me; it's that they're scared that I won't be in a place where I can feed myself, and they can't take care of me because they'll uh, be dead, you know, eventually. Oh, that sounded really weird to say out loud, but you know, it's <laughs> going to happen. I'm sorry. Um, so. Yeah, like Joe said, it's one, like planning out something and communicating that with them because they can't see the steps you're taking and you have to, I would tell them like everything I was doing, like, hey, look at this accomplishment, look at this accomplishment, look at this accomplishment. I wouldn't tell them when I failed, obviously, so mm, whatever. But also just like talking to them, like understanding that they're not angry at me necessarily, they're more concerned than anything and trying to... Empathize with that because I didn't. I can't empathize with the fact that they escaped on a boat from Vietnam. Like I'm, I've, I've never done that. Um, but I can understand not them not wanting me to be in the same position that they were in.
4: Yeah, if I can add. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they're they're upset at me because they care about like make sure I'm mm-hmm. okay, right? That's their their because they sacrifice a lot to, you know, work random jobs in my case um, and provide for us, and they want to make sure we have a good education. And, well, I have kids now. I have a high schooler. He's in ninth grade, and uh, so I'm like going through this, how, would I, how do I do it differently, or do I do it differently? And I'm, like, I don't necessarily believe college is the right path for some kids. Uh, it might not be his passion, so um, right now, it's, we're trying to like, keep things open and make sure he you know, like, I want him to do well at school so he has more options, and that's really been my message, but it's hard.
3: It is hard. I'm sure it's hard, and it's it's like the thing where they're they were always surviving, and now we're just trying to like have a better life and whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah.
1: So. D- definitely express <laughs> gratitude to your parents whenever you get the chance. And um, I I'm still living with my parents right now. I'm living uh, rent free, so I feel like I I mean I obviously do have gratitude, but I feel like I I have to um, because you know like you know my my parents kind of had a similar experience. I mean they. They, they did medical school in the Philippines uh, and they came over here to the States because my mom wasn't really digging it in the Philippines anymore. Um, and of course, you know, my dad had to kind of like do all the, the exams and whatnot again. Um, started off as like working on a laundromat, I think. Um, and then once he finally scored a gig, I think we literally drove from California to Pennsylvania in like a week. Um, and. Now I'm here, I didn't really have to do any of that. So um, always just letting your parents know that you recognize what they've done for you and that you really appreciate it. I think is like kind of the, you know, there's the practical part of laying out your plan, but there's also the emotional aspect of um, making sure that you have an understanding of each other, that they know what you want to do and you know like what they've done for you to
2: get there. Can I actually add something to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so another thing uh, that I would suggest, like advice that I learned my, myself, um, was not to be afraid to also like ask for help. Like in this situation, maybe you're feeling like you have to prove something to your parents, or that you know you've made this choice and like you got to go with it and you have to like succeed. Um, I had many adjustments that I made, um, and I had to like move back in for a little bit and like figure that out and. Although that felt bad at the time, like it also felt nice to know that they were still there, that my parents were supporting me, um, and I think my mom actually really liked it, so that was nice for her, I think. Um, but yeah, like don't be afraid, don't, don't create an atmosphere where it's now like you're trying to prove a point because that's just going to drive you further apart. like get that help uh, if, if it's available to you from your parents, like they're going to help you.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So how do you think your background and your upbringing has helped you now in the industry or in life in general, honestly?
4: Um, I think for me, it's a work ethic. Like I saw how hard, like my parents had to restart careers essentially, right? So I worked odd jobs when we first moved to the States and, uh, and they, you know, they worked all the time and they weren't around because of that too. But I also understand now, like the sacrifice they made um, for the kids, uh, for us to have more opportunities so that work ethic has certainly carried uh, me through, and that guilt I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> so much guilt <laughs> <laughs> but if, if I feel like i 'm not applying myself enough, I, I think about that, and the, the, the guilt certainly is a big part of it too
1: uh, that 's a complex question for me because uh-huh. I feel like i've had i 've worn so many faces, so there 's the whole you know the whole child of immigrants aspect, and then um, they wanted me to get a good education, so they sent me to private school. I went to like an all boys, like coat and tie, very waspy kind of school. And I went to a fairly progressive college, which was kind of culture shock. And um, that just, having all those different experiences, I guess, just kind of gave me perspective, um, especially when we're talking about the games industry of how, um, how the conversation about, Diversity um, is, uh, well, where, where was I going with that? Uh, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Just it's take
6: fine. the second. No, no, I, I, I saw where you're going with that. I'm going to take yeah.
2: Um, we can continue that if so, you want. So, <laughs> you know, having a diverse background, having a different cultural background uh, is actually really valuable. And so, part of the work that we do uh, with Latinx is trying to, like, tell people that that's really valuable um there are plenty of jobs out there that are looking for people with different perspectives and so don't shy away from that idea that like you need to hide that or you need to like fit in better um as you were kind of mentioning Mm -hmm. places are getting more progressive they want to see different views from people they want different people in the room that can give them that different perspective um i think for me personally the work ethic thing is like kind of a a, a double-edged sword for me because I feel like I, I, I embodied that and I did that, but then that was actually like kind of bad for me at a certain point. Yeah, same, like, same for
4: me early on, yeah. Yeah, I
2: like didn't know when to stop um, and I, I measured myself based on like how much harder I was working than other people. It's not really healthy at all. Um, so definitely like take that work ethic and see that thing, but also understand like when when it's your time to kind of take a break and, and, and worry about yourself as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of where. I'm
5: on. Yeah,
3: yeah, I think, yeah, I, the work ethic thing definitely a thing. I also embody that a lot, but it is a source of burnout.
4: How many panels are you doing this, Max?
3: Eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's great. Um, but I think like another interesting thing I've seen is when I see games that draw from their own culture, right? Like I like you see a lot of games set in North America, set in I don't know ancient Egypt, but like I. Like when Red Candle came out with like uh, Detention, which was a game set in like Taiwanese mythology, I thought that was so interesting. Like having those different per- perspectives, like those different stories that you can bring to the table. That's something I want to see more of for sure. And isn't your isn't your game based on?
4: Yeah, it's all South Asian yeah, culture uh, and, and themes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's just I want to see more games to explore like those different ideas and those different paths. And I think that's such a huge strength of coming from a different background is that you think of these things and you consider them and you know them intimately usually. Um, yeah, that's, that's a big thing for me.
1: And I, I guess, um, you know, because my outlet kind of looks for those kinds of games that kind of draw from those personal perspectives, that's kind of like... That's really what kind of directs me, is, You know, especially at a place like PAX, like I'm kind of just looking for those personal gains, uh, especially coming from different cultures, and just trying to kind of immerse myself in those.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Was there ever anything, and maybe you don't have an answer for this, kind of throwing it out there. Was there ever anything like a relative or a parent said about your work or your job that made you really upset or sad?
4: Um, There's one time, so... We did a bunch of in a, in offshoot of Bethesda. We were doing some web games, and it was like, I don't know, season three of Survivor, so it was for CBS. So my uncle's like, oh, you did work for CBS? Well, that's that's impressive. Like, you know, it's like oh. a small web game. It really didn't matter, but they were more impressed with sort of the, the affiliation with a, a, a company they, they knew more than anything else, and that was probably like the smallest game I ever worked on, but like, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. It's like the prestige of, you know, my folks, especially my um, family. So it's very much about like the school you went to, or what company, what big companies you work for, or things like that. And that's that still bothers me. But whatever.
1: Not so much anything that's bothered me or upset me. But I always try to keep a lot of things about what I do close to the chest because uh, I think they're more worried about like they, they've accepted like what I do conceptually, but it's just from a purely. Practical and economical standpoint. So, you know, for example, I'm, I'm here at Pax, and they're like, "Oh, did did someone pay to go there?" And like, no. <laughs> um, so, I I don't know. I, I kind of try to um, pivot away from conversations about money and practicality because um, I just I just don't like hearing the the worry for them. I guess if that makes sense. Um, just trying to like reassure them, but by kind of omitting stuff, I guess, which is not really advice I would give, since I literally just said, hey, be open and honest and transparent with your parents.
2: (laughs) Um, I definitely ran into moments, not necessarily with my mom. My mom um, was really good at trying to adjust and support me in the things that I wanted to do, Um, but definitely like the generation above that was pretty tough for me. Um, My grandma was like, she saw my mom go through the art thing and then get churned out of that pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and so she did not want me to do that at all. And then she also was just like, not down with my life choices. Like I went to a private high school. Um, I got good SAT scores because I thought that would be good for the Air Force. And then when I decided to be an artist, then I got like a lip piercing and then I got some tattoos um, and my hair was longer. And so uh, I got a lot of judgment from that within my family of just like, What are you doing? Like, you you were on this great path and you went to this top whatever school. Like, why are you making these choices? Um, And that really sucked. Uh, It definitely didn't feel good and and definitely didn't feel nice to know, like feel that I wasn't welcome. Not not necessarily welcome, but just that like I would feel that kind of pressure on me. Um, But eventually like, you know, it's a stereotypical thing, especially for like the Latinx thing where it's like, Uh, there's like a culture of macho and there's that whole idea that like you're supposed to be the man and you're supposed to like do this thing and so I was not doing that I guess and necessarily in my grandma's eyes and that's what she was kind of used to Um, and I I don't think I did a good job of this now but at the time at least but now I kind of think and I wish I would have just like tried to break that down for her a little bit and be like hey actually that's kind of whack like being, being a macho like Latinx dude is like not really cool, actually, um, and honestly, like it, it perpetuates a lot of really bad things, and so had I been a little bit smarter, maybe I would have thought of that at the time, but I definitely ran into a lot of like judgment from my own family, which felt kind of lame to be like, "Wait, this is the place that I want to feel welcome, and maybe i 'm not because like I have red in my hair or something
5: <laughs> hey. God.
3: she
4: doesn 't care now <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, I think. I think in the same, like the macho, like having to be macho, like I've discovered, like I've always been used to my parents and relatives thinking my worth was if I could cook, if I could clean, and if I was going to get married and have children to continue the family line, all that fun stuff. Um, But I was always kind of used to it, but I think the one time it weirdly affected me more was when I did a talk at like a big games conference. And I sent them the video. And and my mom was like, oh, you've gained weight. I was like, okay, that's okay. And then like my other relatives were like, oh, you look so pretty, but you know, are you exercising still? And I was like, they're, like, like they didn't focus on the stuff I was actually doing. They were focusing on how I looked. And then when I came back, they were like, oh, but like, can you still can you cook? Like, is that still a thing that's happening? Um so yeah I think it's like the the ideal of like what a perfect wife I should be was like really like for some reason that affected me more and I'm used to like them saying things like because they don't have the words for it and because they grew up in really let's say strict atmosphere like one of their like Favorite insults is like, oh, we found you in the trash because you're kind of trash. And I was like, oh, I can't believe you said that. But I, under- I understand it's a terrible way to like talk to your kids. But it's something I'm used to. Um, but yeah, that that made me sad. But
4: that would make me sad too, right? Yeah. Oh
3: my god. But
2: you're definitely not trash.
3: Well, oh, thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's it's something where it's like I've learned how to talk to them about it and like how it disappointed me that they focused on my looks rather than what I was doing, and it actually kind of worked. Like, they're very receptive to it now, so I think, like, even when they say things that make you kind of sad, it's you have to tell them sometimes when it mm-hmm. hurts, even though that also feels weird to say.
4: And, and they're probably not used to that, right, because yeah. they didn't have that kind of relationship with their parents, mm-hmm. or the, the culture was different than what you're growing up
3: on. Exactly, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. So, I just have a list of questions, if anyone wonders why I keep looking over here. Um, I would say...
2: It was actually just a live feed of the Nintendo booth up there. Oh,
3: yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, when is the line for Animal Crossing going to just shorten? (laughs) Never. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so do you have any, I guess, tips for explaining your work or explaining yourself to your relatives, let's say, not necessarily your parents, but just... Explaining what you do and like, kind of dealing, I don't know how many relatives you have. I have a lot. Like, they always ask questions about the work, and it's always confusing. And is there a way that you can like, break it down to them or make them understand?
4: Um, in my case, I have, yeah, I have 70, 80 relatives in the Maryland area. Huge family. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to move out of there is just there's always drama. When you have a big family, there's always big drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so, when I see them now, which is once or twice a year, which is perfect, um, it's more from, I try to explain it from like, oh, I run a business, right? I have a small studio, I run a business, and we're doing okay. Like, that's, I kind of talk more about that than the actual content of, of, of making games. But um, so they, they understand the business part of it. So that's how I deal with
1: it.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh,
4: my strategy is to bribe them
1: with free con swag. Mm. Um, <laughs> And I, I'm like I'm partially serious. I remember coming from E3, and I just had like a, a bunch of like random trinkets. And you know, I I played this game. It had like battle royale elements and like cooperative and competitive elements. And it's like n- none of those words mean anything to my dad. So it's like, hey, they gave me a free bottle opener and some whiskey stones. You want to like like <laughs> and you know that kind of like helped break the ice. And you know, I just kind of told the the um, you know the play by play of like what being a journalist at E3 was, and um, just trying to distill those concepts without kind of like getting to the nitty gritty of what games are about. Um, And, you know, it just helps them to give them a big picture, I think. So I kind of, um, (laughs) um, so when the ESA leak happened, um, because I was at E3, so my information was out there. No one look it up, please. And um, I had to explain to my parents, "Hey, uh, this is why we might get some uh, some bad junk mail or whatnot um, so try, sort of like me trying to explain the entire like sociopolitical landscape of the video games industry uh, and like all the discourse behind that, and relating to it. Um, to you know, kind of alt-right movements that they read about in the news all the time. That kind of like helped
2: them connect the dots a little bit. Um, so that was kind of my strategy. Um, I think I had like two things happen. One was I went straight to the kids of the family, and that was actually like really helpful because um, like my little cousins think I'm the coolest person ever because I work at video games, and I was at this cool Nintendo event, and I went to the launch of what, you know that kind of stuff. Um, and so that, that kind of like disseminated throughout the family of like, oh, yeah, he's doing a really cool thing. And like th- my, my eight-year-old cousin thinks like this was really awesome and I brought her a thing. So the swag thing definitely worked, um, <laughs> But I also think, uh, Victoria, you mentioned this earlier, just like sharing those successes, no matter how like, big or small those things are, are actually really good. Just try and contextualize those for them. Um, I also brought my mom to a Nintendo event once, and that was really mm-hmm. fun. Uh, we, we actually were talking about this, because we, we tried to do this at Pack South. It didn't actually work out super well, but um, like bringing people into the space and letting them see it for themselves is actually really cool. And so like, got to bring my mom to this thing. I, I didn't even necessarily tell my bosses at the time that she, my mom was my camera operator, um, <laughs> but she got to enjoy a cool event. She got to see it. Um, we had a good time and she felt like she saw me being an important person in my habitat um, and whatever that is, like whether that's like if you're streaming or if you're um, competitive and you go to tournaments and stuff like uh, your parents are always going to want to see you succeeding or at least doing something cool outside of the box. And so like, don't be afraid to invite them or bring them in. It's, in my case, it worked really well, so just bring them into a GameStop count.
4: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I haven't been in one in a while. So. <laughs> if your game's on, on the shelf, some of mine. My- yeah, yeah, actually. What if
3: you just took a game off the shelf, put your game like <coughs> cover on it, and just been like, hey, look, see, it's there. You can buy it.
4: Yeah. Just yeah. tell, them you, it's like $80. On, it's tell them you worked on Smash.
3: Yeah, tell them you made Minecraft. There you go. That's, <laughs> <right>. That's good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we'll get to questions soon, but I guess it's kind of like a last-ish question, unless I think of something else. Um, so we talked about some bad stuff, but how have like have your parents ever said anything that helped you or that have has really stuck with you in terms of like your work or yourself or anything?
4: Something I've said that's been bad, or no, no, okay. like
3: something positive with your parents, so um, not just hating on them. All yeah, time. so uh,
4: so my mom li- moved back to Sri Lanka, so I don't see her that often. But we try to go back and forth, but um, I upgraded her flight last time in oh. December, so she flew. She was like, oh, so you must be doing well. And it was, you know, like, first class is expensive, but international is real expensive. So it was, mm-hmm. it was not like a small thing, but mm-hmm. I was like, it's my mom. Mm-hmm. And I don't do this that often. So. so she was like, oh, okay, all right, all right. You're doing all right.
1: Uh, I guess just keep it short and simple, that you know, my mom just always told me just, you know, pursue what makes you happy. And... I'd like to think that we're kind of getting to an age where parents are a little more tolerant in their children kind of just finding whatever satisfies them, like whatever career path satisfies them. I'd like to believe that. I can't speak for everyone, but uh, I'm, again, I just feel kind of lucky that my parents are just that way towards me.
2: Um, I think uh, one thing my mom always taught me was actually just to, like... She's kind of like shameless, and so is the rest of my family, in a way that like I can't even possibly imagine. Like, there are things that my mom would do that like would make me want to disappear right now. Like, uh, just put like duct tape on the bumper of the car because like we didn't have the money to like you know fix it, or like uh, just give like give you some like old shoes from like somebody that was like your cousin's you know friend or whatever, and like that that lack of shame actually. I think is actually really important. and something that I gra- gravitate towards as I've gotten older. I used to be like super worried about appearances and like what people thought of me at school and things like that. Um, and the thing that she has always reminded me is like, who cares what they think about this thing? If you're really passionate about it, um, that passion is gonna show through. And so like, you know, really care about that thing, really get into it, um, which is kind of like weird to think about that. I was so like shameful before, but like I would not hesitate to do the same thing now. Like, I'm not yeah. spending $800 to fix this bumper. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> it's crazy.
3: Yeah, I think the thing my parents taught me, I mean, they taught me a lot, obviously, their parents. Um, but one thing that has stuck in my mind was, so my mom lives in Vancouver, I live in Montreal, um, and she came to visit me. And the minute she got off the plane, she's like, Victoria, and comes out and pulls out a mango from her bag, and it's like, I got this for you, and I was like, am I eating it now? She's like, yes. And she like, finds a knife in her check bag to cut it for me in the airport. And I was like, oh mom. She's like, no, 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 you need to eat. It'll be great. And she pulls out a star fruit and then she had like a half eaten muffin. She was like, I saved some for you. Uh, and it's just like the thought, the, and something I just kind of brought with me now. And it's like, I'm always kind of trying to think of other people um, and seeing like, how I can kind of just brighten their day a little bit, even if it's something like, I brought you a mango, which I haven't done before, and I, maybe I should. Um, but yeah, it's just like small little things that makes you remember, like, OK, they might not say, like I love you all the time, but they have actions that show me that they do care, um, even if we fight or whatever. So it's like something I appreciate a lot. Yeah.
2: And I feel like it comes through in your like, comms as well. Like, that idea yeah. of just, like, those little things that you're doing for your community and for other people, mm-hmm. and, like, that thing definitely comes from them, and maybe you don't always think about it that way. Like yeah. I definitely feel the same way about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thanks, Victoria's mom.
3: Thanks, Victoria's <laughs> mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess I'll open the floor if there's any questions. There's a mic. Yeah, yeah. Go, go to the mic, please, so you don't have to <laughs> yell. And also so people can hear your question. Yeah. <laughs> so polite. Oh, okay. Yeah. Set. You can line up at the microphone. Um, yeah. 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 Okay.
2: Testing. Testing. No. no. Okay, no. <laughs> Talking. There yeah. we go. There we go. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Hey. Hello. Hello. So a lot of the stuff you've mentioned has with your parents has been to the point where you've actually told them. How do you oh. get the car- <laughs> specifically with like my the family of my significant other, I've been to eight Christmases. Every time I'm like, oh, I'm doing this marketing stuff, this social media stuff, never mentioned the games. How do you even begin, like, what are the things that I should tell myself to pump myself up and to even bring it up?
3: Interesting. So, I mean, okay, so when I decide to pivot from healthcare to marketing, the way I did it, and I'm not sure it's the greatest way, is I explained it in the most convoluted way possible, so they had no idea what I was doing. Um, I was like, yeah, so I'm basically going to be handling the entire communications for this studio. Uh, It's very important. I'm doing PR, marketing, uh, social... That's what I don't want to (laughs) do. Yeah, right? It's just, honestly... (laughs) it's It's so much... Look, if you're getting to social media, you need to know how to market yourself, so... That's it's what funny. I do. It's really just the
1: family <laughs> that, like, my significant other is going to judge me.
3: But. Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like there's, they're not going to understand completely anyway. Um, but if it's just pumping yourself up, it's honestly, it's usually not going to be as bad as you think it is. I say, I think. For me, it was yeah. it was that mm-hmm. case. It's like you, because you always imagine the worst case scenario, and it, chances are that's never going to happen.
7: Thank you. Um, Good, good luck. luck. <laughs>
3: yes, yeah, good luck.
2: So further on that, though, I, Please think, report back. I, I think you have the right inkling there, which is, like, you don't have to break it down completely and, like, lay it all out for them. Like, it can just be something as generic as, like, hey, I do marketing for mm-hmm. a company. Like, mm-hmm. that's okay. Um, it would be cooler to bring them into it later, but, like, the amount of work it's going to take for you to explain all of the different nuance that they just don't even understand about the thing is, like, maybe not even worth doing at that point. And so I think you're kind of on the right track, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they don't have to get it. Like, If you're succeeding and you're happy with it, like it's cool.
4: And I mean, you're going to be talking to them for a while, right? So just a little little, little bits. (laughs) Just dole out little little bits at a time.
8: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hello, panel. Hi. Hello. So what was the first thing that your parents interacted with that you did? Uh, for example, so I, I write too, right, and the mm-hmm. first thing I had been writing for years before my mother realized like what I was writing and where I was writing, and she found it on the Playboy website, because <laughs> I've been published by Playboy a couple times, and that was the first time a name nice. recognition happened for her, where she realized, oh, he's not just writing on a blog that he runs. Sometimes people pay him to do this, All right. but it was for Playboy. <laughs> So I had to tell her, oh yes, you know, in 2015 or whatever, Playboy tried to make a video games thing on the internet. They tried to make an internet version of the magazine that had less of the naked stuff. But that took a couple years to get her into this idea that yeah, I'm not actually writing smut for Playboy, I'm doing other things for Playboy. (laughs) But it was a weird interaction (laughs) because that was the first thing she really Found, maybe not found herself, but it was the first thing she found that I didn't show her, yeah. that I had my name on it, Right, but it was not like the best thing I wanted her to see first. Even though I wasn't writing anything shameful, it was just how do you get the stigma away from a person who doesn't have any interaction with So I wonder if you guys had any sort of weird, I guess, friction when it came to you making things and then finding it on their own or...
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would think. say it would
8: have I would
2: have controlled the message a little bit more there just to make sure <laughs> I, that she it didn't was run shared to
3: her, it, and you know. I was
8: like, yeah, but like I didn't take any pictures or anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with that. It's a great so.
4: story. I love, I love this. I story. love this yeah. story. It's yeah. a yeah. good one.
2: I think uh, if if I knew that there was a risk of that happening, I might have like gotten ahead of that a little bit just to make sure, um, because yeah, in all cases, like I'm I'm trying to make sure that I'm controlling that flow of information to. Give them the best picture of what's happening, you know. Like, yeah. I could imagine if I worked at a studio or something that had like something happen at it. Like, I wouldn't want my mom to figure out that I worked at a studio or, or what was going on there before you talked to her. Yeah. I talked to yeah. her about
8: it. So
3: yeah, I have a similar story because our studio is working on a game called Boyfriend Dungeon, mm-hmm. uh, and I was in my like what? So I saw an article in Vietnamese came out about the game, and I was like. Amazing. Finally, my parents can understand what I do. Sent it to them, and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, oh, it still doesn't make sense in Vietnamese. I get it. Okay, never mind. Um, so I've been in that place where they've just discovered it on their own, or I guess I kind of helped them discover it, uh, and it was kind of awkward, but it's honestly just kind of showing them the things afterwards, and like they'll always kind of remember it in like this really cringy way, but you just keep showing them other successes you've had yeah. other mm-hmm. things you've done and then you can kind of control like where they're thinking um, but yeah if you don't have photos on there they they won't know follow,
4: follow up with some other stuff yeah,
3: yeah follow great. up with yeah. other stuff yeah
1: i have nothing but bad advice to give i just depend on my parents like inability to google search things because same like well Plus. so i'm i'm non binary and i'm not really out to them so like sometimes they like might find a byline in a bio that has they them pronouns and that just kind of ugh. um <laughs> But so, you know, I, I do kind of like feed them some stuff. And again, just, try, like just trying to, um, you know, make it something they relate to. Like I, I was, I had a piece about PAX Unplugged since it was in Philly. It was like in the local Philly paper. And I just kind of like slid to them and like, hey, look, like, look at the returns of like what I'm actually doing. Um, so, but um, yeah, nothing but bad advice for me, really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
3: Thank you.
7: Hello, panel. Hello. Hello. I am very sleepy, so please excuse me. But um, my question today was, Chris, I very much relate to the they-them struggle. That's why I'm even wearing a Bowsette hat today for the entirety (laughs) of PAX. Um, So my question was, have any of you in any situation ever had to manipulate, like, the social capital of a situation to get it across to your parents? So what I mean by that is, like you were like making something in relation to an issue. I work for Pratt Institute personally, and I work on a lot of um, student theses, but like to like my, my parents, they have a very weird concept like complex about this because like both of their parents were like really successful people within their own right. Like my mother's father was a psychiatrist who was very successful in Los Angeles and my grandmother was someone who went from factory work to be the first black the first woman to graduate from ucla so to reel this back to the question um i'm just wondering have you guys ever had to like manipulate like the social capital of what you're doing to look better to your parents than it would sound to them if you just said it
3: Sorry, can you repeat the last part of what yeah. you said? So, so, you said social cap. How do you explain the social
7: capital? So, the way I explain the social capital is what I'm getting as my parents th- do not like the. Sorry,
3: idea. sorry. Can you come closer to the mic?
7: My parents. There you go. Okay, go thank me. you. Great. My parents do not like the idea of me helping students with their finals because they see it as like like beneath me. But instead, I've pitched that to them as like, well, I'm introducing art students to like virtual reality technology. Mm-hmm. And then they think that's great.
3: <laughs> so so it's the question like how we pitch our...
7: Yeah, like the question is, have you ever been in a situation where you had to like talk about your job, but you had to talk about it in a way where you knew your parents would be more approving of it? Yes, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yes. yes. Um,
2: before I worked in games, I worked in New York City as a for hire art director, and some of the projects I worked on were terrible. Yeah, uh, and I was not getting paid a lot of money, and um, it was not a good working situation. But like, they were with cool clients, and so I'd be like, "Hey, I worked with like ASAP Rocky. Isn't this guy cool?" And yeah, like, she's like, "I don't know who that is, but like, <laughs> yeah, sure, he's on Spotify." Um, and so I definitely kind of. I, I'm not going to tell her the entirety of why I took that gig. It doesn't necessarily look that good that I, I wasn't necessarily getting paid a lot of money for it and I was doing it for you know, that kind of stuff. But I definitely tried to take the best part of it and like, put it in front of her to make her feel better about that. Um, and I think that's okay. I think that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I, I would think about you know, overall, like, you don't want to necessarily feel like you're lying a ton, but at the same time, like, positioning it in a way that makes it feel better, I think is fine.
4: Yeah, or tell my parents, oh, I'm working with Microsoft or working with Sony or whatever. And that's just all the, you know, the, yeah. the, that part is what they care about and not, yeah, not the cool. real details. Okay, like, no, I'm
3: going to, sorry, I've got to cut off so we can get more. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you very much.
4: Sorry,
2: cool. You're good.
7: And this is totally a lunch conversation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey,
6: my name is Patrick. How are y'all doing? Could you, uh, sorry, could you get a little
7: closer? Yeah. yeah, yeah. A little bit closer yeah, to the perfect. mic? Yeah,
6: cool. yeah, yeah, All right, my name is Patrick. How are y'all? Great. Good. Good. All right, Thank cool. you. So, my question is: a while ago, I was having issue, like, getting new releases in games, and I decided to institute a games for life policy. Whenever I purchase games now, like something that I don't really want to spend money on unless I know I can just like continually get out, like, get entertainment out of it. So. If you had a Games for Life list, like what would be like your first entry onto your Games for Life list?
4: Games that I would play for the rest of my life? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, Animal Crossing. Yeah.
3: Got it. Done.
4: That's a good one. <laughs> uh, probably one of the Zelda games. It'd be hard to pick one, but.
3: Breath of the Wild? All
6: right. Can I, can I pare it down a little bit? Like, okay. If it's part of a series, you have to pick a specific entry in the series.
3: <laughs> but the New Horizons isn't out yet, so I can't say. <laughs>
4: can you ask again in a couple of weeks?
3: <laughs> yes, ask again in a couple of weeks.
4: For me, it's Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, yeah.
1: yeah. Night in the Woods is the first thing that came to my mind. I mm.
4: think.
6: What's, up, what's on your list? Um, Top one. Top one, probably yeah. Kingdoms of Amalore Reckoning. Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: Interesting. Okay. Um,
6: I really liked the, it felt more like a, a beat em up than like a, something that could have been like an RPG, uh, an MMORPG or anything.
2: You should talk to this guy in the row over here. He got super stoked when you said that. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah.
5: He was yeah. like, yeah.
2: <laughs> it was good. The lo- You they, guys got to be friends. Yeah, okay. they blew Wait. all their budget. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Thank you.
5: Thank you.
1: Thanks.
8: Um, hey there. So, um, like, I'm Cuban American, and I come from like an environment where a lot of success is seen as like landing a
1: nine-to-five like corporate job. I'm like a sound designer, though, so like all my gigs are like based off like contract work and stuff. I was like wondering like what's the best way to like quell
8: familial anxiety regarding like I guess uh, inconsistent uh, it, you know inc- inconsistently getting paid pretty much.
5: Um,
2: I did that for a while. Um, And I justified it from my perspective as like, I'm taking different gigs and I'm starting to like build up my skills, right? Like working for one place means like, you might just be pigeonholed from sound design. You might just like only do dialogue or you might like only do music or something like that. Um, And so I was like doing all sorts of creative jobs. And yeah, it wasn't very consistent, but like I got to do a bunch of different stuff that leveled me up in different ways. And so that's how I kind of pitched it. I was like, it's a little tough right now, mom. I might have to move mm-hmm. home, but like I'm working on these really cool projects. Like I just edited a movie, so that's cool, right? Mm-hmm. So that was my perspective on it. Just like I want to do I want to okay, do different nice. things um and that's going to help me later on like have different perspectives and level up my skills. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's it's not good. necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the variety
4: is it's really nice, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean I feel like as like a writer I'm kind of Doing a bunch of multiple things just as a necessity because um, that's why I have so many bylines because I'm just kind of like uh, pitching a lot of pieces around and getting this, you know, kind of piecemeal stuff. And, you know, I'm still searching for like some full time, nine to five desk job, like whatever I can get, just, you know, the the health benefits, the 401k, what have you. So, um, (laughs) just trying to be practical, but also trying to like build up that skill set.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I, I just think it's like a little tough. Because like I I just kind of like graduated out of like I guess like university and it's it's been a few months and my parents are like hey w- w- where are the jobs <laughs> yeah it's I mean uh, I, I they're not always right there like it I got into games when I was thirty you know um, I had been doing a bunch of different stuff before that and like I had a lot of fun doing that but like it took years for me to actually find the lane that I was really excited about and explore that and so mm-hmm. it, I know that pressure kind of sucks but like. You also don't want to get into a situation where you're forcing yourself to like have a nine to five. That's not that great, and then you're not happy. Like that sounds even worse. So yeah. I would kind of look at it from that perspective of like, hey, I know I know you want to see this from me right now, but I still got to like keep doing the thing and keep kind of putting myself out there.
4: Yeah, and you're doing. Hopefully, you're doing what you love to do. To, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank no you. Thank you.
3: Hi, um, my name's Casey. I'm Filipino and Brazilian, so like the left side of this panel. Hey. It's great to see you all here. <laughs> uh, I really want to write for video games. Uh, my parents are cool with whatever, uh, as long as I make money. Uh, but I got really excited, Chandana, when I saw that you're a creative director, because I'd really love to work my way up to be that. And I'm just kind of curious about what that was like. like. I know everyone's path is different, but what was that like for you? Like, what was the ladder to get there? And do you have any advice for someone who might want to do that?
4: Okay. It's you. Oh, Not for you? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah that was for <laughs> <awesome>. you. <laughs> sorry, what was the last part? Say again.
3: Yeah. I'll sorry, we're just, having a hard
4: time hearing up no,
3: here. No, it's please. okay. I'll get closer. Um, just, I know everyone's path is different, but what was the ladder like for you to work your way up to being a creative director? And right. do you have any advice? For
4: yeah, that? I think for me, you know, I started as an artist, and um, it's after several projects, like, I just got more responsibilities. And I, I really, I, for me, at least, it's always been I end up doing the job before I get the title. And I think that's probably usually the way it works. People like r- recognize what you're doing, um, and then they're like, oh, we should just make him the art director now, and then the producer, whatever, creative director. Um, I don't feel like I've really got to do my own thing till I started my own company, because there's specific sort of underrepresented games that I want to do. And um, I think of the five companies I worked at, they were all mostly white male uh, led companies, uh, or the teams are mostly that. So. Uh, I, you, even though I've, I've led projects before, like I feel like in the last three years when I started my own company, that's when I really, really be able to found my voice and be able to do the games I wanted to do. Um, it, it depends on wh- what you want to do, but like I, I think trying to find that part of the, the games, it, it's a good time to be in games right now because there's a lot of different avenues and there's funding for different things. And like Joe was saying earlier, there's like your your unique perspective and your upbringing. Um, it, it's something that people want for. Uh, you know, like when I'm pitching new projects, we're doing one about arranged marriage, which is what? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Um, so, like that was that's a, for me on the couple of pitches we have recently because I'm I'm doing pitching around right now for a bunch of people, and that's that's the one that's farthest out there, and that's the one people are responding to the most, and I was surprised. Yeah. And so there's like just sort of the diversity and and different cultures and things are you know are are kind of.
2: Hot right now, so we 're kind of hot right now industry <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah.
5: thank you
2: Thank you I, I think to follow up on that too, like I actually really respect what you did, right, where you, you felt like you had something to say and you wanted to put that thing out there, and you didn't necessarily like wait for an opportunity to pop up at a big studio where you felt like maybe that wouldn't happen right? Yeah. Like, you just like struck out and said, "I think this yeah. is super important, and I think you did a great job by the way, so okay.
4: yeah, if you can find cool. ways to get people to give you money to do the thing you want to do it's like the best
3: <laughs> of course, okay, so we have five minutes, but Go.
2: <laughs> uh, hi, um, I'm asking this from the perspective of someone who's pursuing the games industry. I was wondering what it was like being a person of color or being raised in an immigrant household has affected your journey to where you guys are today?
3: How has being raised in a what household?
2: Like a, per, um, being a person of color or being raised in an immigrant household affected your journey today? Because I'm part of an immigrant household as well, so i like, wondering how it would look like, some, like you know, someone like me to enter the game industry.
3: For me, it was that I grew up not knowing I could be in games, and that that was a viable career path, and that it existed at all. Um, So I feel like I came in with no real knowledge of games that much. Like I wasn't allowed to have a console, Um, so I had to play a lot of games on PC and just like a lot of flash games. So coming into games, I actually didn't know. Like I've never played Dark Souls. I've never played The Witcher. Like I haven't. I don't get the references a lot of the times when people say it. So. it seems like I would be like very alienated, but I found that coming from like uh, my household and stuff it's that I actually have now different skills that again I can bring up and that people are more interested in because it's they want new creative ideas and they want to know about your background and to learn about like where you came from because that's honestly like so much of games is personal and I find that people like that a lot. So coming from like my household, like that's kind of something that's come up a lot.
4: Yeah, it feels more authentic when you're yeah. doing the things mm-hmm. you, that you believe in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.
3: Oh, Hi. Uh, so,
6: do you find any sort of difference in attitudes with regards to? I suppose, quote-unquote, more creative positions versus, like, less creative positions. For example, I don't know, coding for games and such, where it's not so much as, sort of, you have to think of this sort of thing. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah. I, I, for us, it depends on the team. Like, for our size, everyone ends up contributing to the design and the vision of the game, because it's you can't, it's, unless it's, I guess it's on a bigger AAA team, but, like, you end up, there's so much that uh, you know overlap. Even though you're a comms, you probably do you know give a lot of feedback to mm-hmm. the games, and you're probably involved a lot. So I think it's you end up like you end up being creative if you're on a game team. Like just just by working on the thing you're working on, there's always problems to solve, and sometimes that's I mean even even the coders there's like. Like gameplay design and problems to solve on every aspect. So like it, it's a very creative field. I, I don't, regardless of the, the discipline. Yeah. So. No.
2: Yeah. I mean, like if you're writing code, you're still thinking about how the player is going to experience a thing. You're thinking about how it fits into the overall design. Um, and so like for our team, we we make sure those people are embedded with each other and they're learning from each other because like you could write uh, some gameplay and then realize that like actually it doesn't fit with the rest of the gameplay. Like mm-hmm. you might have solved the problem that was in front of you, but like. Doesn't actually work with the rest of the game, so it, you, you definitely have to be creative, and no matter where you are in a game studio,
4: and you have to learn to work with people. Like that's yes. the biggest thing okay. that any, none of the schools really teach you. If you want to be <laughs> in games, it's like you're going to be collaborating, and if you're terrible with working with people, you're going to have a really hard time. Unless you're a solo dev, but a lot of even yeah, a lot of your time is working, trying to like pull, push and pull, give yeah. and take with other folks. So it's
5: okay. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> Thank you.
3: Thank you. Last
4: question. Yeah. Okay, got it. Uh, hey, so um, I'm starting like sort of a, a, guess like a journey creating my own uh, game studio. I don't really have, I also work another job. I don't really have any money to hire other people. And p- personally, I don't really like social media. I don't really <laughs> like using it. Uh, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just not for me, I guess. So I, I find, um, you know, uh, spending time, you know, marketing it through marketing games through social media to be, you know, not for me, and, you know, I, I'd much rather spend it working on, like, the creative side of making the game and, and that sort of thing. So, do you have any tips for me or things, maybe, like, the efficacy of focusing on one platform, you know, anything like that? Uh, yeah, it, it depends on what type of game you're making and what the audience is, and are you self-funding it or are you looking for funding? Uh, there are a lot of people, like, we work with an uh, external firm to help us with PR marketing, like, plan. Like, I do, I'm, I'm big on Twitter, but, like, they help me f- plan stuff out. Um, so it, it doesn't have to be all internal or, uh, you know, do it on yourself. You can find other folks to, like, I, you know, when we hire folks to work with partners, it's things that we're not good at. So we try to complement that way, too, if that's something you're interested in.
2: Um, just really quickly, because I, I said time. I, I think. Um I think it's going to be kind of hard, honestly. Uh, part of making a game is finding that audience and, and bringing those people together and getting feedback from them. Like, Astroneer is an early access game, and I don't think we would, have, we would be the game we are now if we didn't open up our development to people and let them know what was going on and bring them in and saw, see what worked for them. And so I, I think, you know, it's, it would, it's, it's going to be hard, definitely, to not work on that kind of thing. I, I, I think as far as platforms go, Twitter is really good. All they did in the beginning was just share a bunch of gifs of what they're working on and let that disseminate to other people but i think it's it's going to be kind of tough if you're not if you're not like thinking about your audience and bringing them in no matter where it is on social or emails or shows or anything like that so yeah twitter's kind of a necessary evil unfortunately but um that's that's
1: honestly like as someone who kind of works at an outlet that focuses on indie stuff we kind of find things like through all the hashtags that people are using we find those gifts and uh, just kind of like finding the trail of like, oh, who actually made this? And you know, trying to connect with them. So um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a rabbit hole, but it's something worth at least kind of dipping your toes in. You,
4: you can filter your feed and just focus on very specific things. You can yeah. have a really good experience on Twitter. Yes. Thank you. Thank no you. No Thank you.
3: Thank you for coming. Thank you,
5: Thanks, all, everyone. <laughs>